God, I missed that music. I did. Gosh, a week felt like forever. I know, right? But we're back. <clears throat> we are here. We're back. And apologies for not having an episode last week. We had some uh, we had some technical difficulties. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, you can leave. Uh, no, that was my fault. I, I, I couldn't record. I, there wasn't a chance I was recording Sunday night. I was I was all messed up. And then Monday was a fiasco just from Monday was a mess. And uh, Tuesday, we we're like, what do we do now? Uh, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to hold our breath and make it till next week. At yeah, this point. yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that that little part in there where, where Ellen Ripley says, have I accused drop sharply while I was away? I feel like that has indeed happened. Oh, man. Whew. One week off. And this is what happened to our culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything went to shit. Um, I, I really feel like that happened. Like just IQs did just drop sharply while we were away. So we're going to talk about that. Um, okay. particularly this cancel culture and how out of, out of control it's getting because it's just getting absolutely ridiculous. So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. And we're going to talk about that also in relationship to integrity as well. Cause I think that's going to be an interesting dichotomy. So the idea being, you know, things are getting canceled left and right. And somebody might say, well, why is that a bad thing? Why shouldn't the word blackboard or black hole, why shouldn't we ban, uh, you know, get rid of that, those, those terms? Um, if, if, if people were to take offense by them, what harm is it that we, that we just get rid of them? What, where, where are we doing the harm? And and so I want to talk about that because I think there's okay. severe harm to our culture and to our society by being absolutely, completely and total, totally asinine. So we're going to talk about that and um, give other folks <clears throat> who happen to listen to this program, give them, uh, give them some fuel on how to rebut those kinds of takes. Good. Good. I think we need more of that. <clears throat> I do too. I do too. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to spend the majority of the time. We do have a little bit of stupid news that we're going to get into. Uh, and I think it dovetails right into this, uh, right into this topic, but, um, well, welcome. I have no idea what season episode or number we are actually on anymore. I believe we're at season four, episode eight, if memory serves, because I think <clears throat> we've got this one in one more. Maybe no, I think I think this one is this number is nine. nine. This no, yeah. this is nine. Excuse me. This one and one more, and and um, we're gonna close out season four before we make some changes for season five. Yeah. So ep- <clears throat> season four, episode nine, number forty-seven of the Fusion Underground. Wow, that's pretty amazing. It is pretty amazing. That's, that's pretty amazing. 
But um, here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio, as always, by my brother, Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? Good. Good to be back. Good to be right here. <clears throat> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing how much fun we have doing this. It's amazing how much of my week is defined by our last episode. <laughs> I recognize that this last week. It was like just pressure. a big, it was a big void missing from my, from my normal work week and life and just, oh, there, yeah, I can't do that again. Let's not do that again. We got to figure out how to not do that again. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> and and we've got some changes as we kind of alluded to um right. we'll have some more information i think maybe next week maybe next week to share okay so we will we will cross through that so um how are there you there he doing? is uh, <laughs> <laughs> i need a filler so i can find my stuff you know what yeah, i'm okay yeah. I'm, I'm okay i'm actually right. looking forward to uh next weekend i'm taking some much needed time off of work and taking a week off. My kids are out of school for three days and I'm taking the other four days just for myself. And, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's, it's been a long time since I've been out. And, um, I recognize that I'm, I'm in a spot now where if I don't give myself a little bit of mental and emotional and personal reprieve, a respite, if you will, I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. Well, it's just some been, time. Yeah, it's just yeah. been go, go, go for a long time. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to having a little bit of time off for personal reflection. Well, good. Um, you need it. I know you've been working hard. So um, last week, you know, last week I do have, there, there's a glimmer of hope that I have for the future. Ooh. A glimmer, a slight glimmer. Okay. Um, so the arm. Hit me. <clears throat> yeah. So um, last year, this is actually my second year of doing this, but I was approached by a university last year to be a part of uh, a panel to um, assess scholarship applications for a scholarship that they have. And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so last year I got to assess applications and, and uh, judge them based on this rubric that they put together. And then based on those applications, it gets whittled down to a select few and then they hold interviews. Well, this year I was asked again if I would um, review some of the applications and I said, of course. And then they asked if I would uh, sit on, the, on one of the interview panels. And I said, I would love to. So last week I actually got to do that Oh wow! And uh, got to interview some uh, pretty amazing kids, eighteen-year-olds, seniors in high school, who are about to go into this university. And some of the things that these kids are doing is pretty damn phenomenal. I, I have to admit, it's it's pretty awesome what these kids are 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 doing, what they've already accomplished in high school, going up until this point, um, and. and and it gives me some hope. It gives me some hope that there are some kids out there, 18 year olds who are intelligent, who uh, are very articulate, very well read, well spoken, 
um, know what they want in life, but also this particular scholarship, there's a big emphasis on leadership and community service as mm. well. So every one of the applicants had to demonstrate how they've been leaders and how they've given back to their communities up until this point. <clears throat> um, and, and so it was really nice getting to meet some of these kids after assessing their applications, asking them questions. Um, and, and it gave me, you know, it was actually, it was a really, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun being able to do that. And, uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't have a 100% negative view <laughs> of <laughs> high schoolers right now. Um, well, maybe, that's good. You know, maybe the 1% is worthwhile. Great. I don't know. I, I don't know, but uh, I, how many, how many of these scholarships are awarded? Actually, I'm not sure how much, how many, it, it differs from year to year. So it's, it okay. all really depends on how much the trust has grown and how much money is available as well as, you know, other types of factors. But um, um, my understanding is, I think they give, I think they've, at the end of the day, they award somewhere between 10 and 20. I don't know the exact number, okay. um, but somewhere Gosh. between that. See, you look at that as a, I mean, and don't get me wrong. It's inspiring <clears throat> if it's, you know, talking to kids who are actually leaders and, and intelligent human beings already and trying yeah. to actually further them. And, and that's awesome for me. If I was sitting there, I'm like, I, I couldn't do it. I'm like, I want them all to have it. Every single one of you, if yeah. you're applying for this, that's huge. You all need a college education, you know, yeah. and I'd, I'd yeah. probably bankrupt the trust if that were the case. Cause I, I could, God forbid it was just like one, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and, and, and the good thing is, is I don't have to, I didn't have to pick. I mean, in a way I did because I had to assess, uh, assess their, you know, their interview responses mm -hmm. um, according to a rubric and, and basically uh, score them, I guess. score them, right. I score them for lack of, for lack of a term, but there are other members on the panel. So it's, it's not all 100% up to me. And from what I understand, there's, you know, they combine all the scores and they, I'm sure they probably do like an average and then whoever, you know, the top 10 or the top 20 are the ones that actually get awarded the scholarship at the end of the day. So I don't know how the other, I have no idea how the other um, members on the panel, how they scored. We don't talk about that. Um, but um, yeah, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So I hope to be able to do it next year again too. So. That's good. Well, cool. I think I think you need that. I think you need to do that as much as humanly possible. Yeah. I know your um, slightly dimmed view of our <clears throat> high school graduates right now and in the past. See, there it is. You're rolling your <laughs> eyes again. <laughs> so I think this is much needed for you and yeah. for all of our listening audience that, yes, there is still hope out there. There just might yeah. be only in about 1% of our graduating class. Yeah. Well, there was, there was a story just, uh, just a few days ago. Um, I can't remember where it was from. I want to say it was like in Virginia, somewhere, somewhere on the East coast. Um, I don't have the article in front of me, but this, this is why I, that you, you, we've, you have heard, everybody who's listened to the show has heard me rant and rave and vent about public education and public education teachers and how I think the entire public education system is 100% absolute piss and shit. And I, I do believe that I, there, there is so, there's so many 
pieces of evidence that just point to it being a total crap bag. Okay. Um, and there was a story that came out. That's just, it just adds a, another brick into the building of shit. That is the public education system. Um, just a couple of days ago, it was determined. It was found the, the school board found this by miracle chance. This some kid, he's 18 or 19 years old. He's a senior in high school. And he has, what was it? I'm not joking. It was like 0.13 GPA. 0.13 GPA. Might have been a 0.5, 1.5. So it's either 0.15 or 0.13. He doesn't even have a 1.0. It's less than a 1.0. And this poor young man was actually near the top in the top half of his class what <clears throat> he's uh, still did... he's still ranked 60 no it wasn't in the top half i think he, he ranked 62 out of something like a little over 100 kids so he was near the top half um oh and which means there are kids that are even that are still worse than he is a now. lot worse Right. Um, and he, he's, he's failed his math classes. He's failed his English classes always. And even though he was failing classes, the school just passed him on to the next grade. Wait, this, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Let me he's a functional back. illiterate. You said point one, three point one, but that's, yeah. Yeah. That's an F average. Oh, it's worse than an F. It's like a Z one, average. 1.0, <laughs> if I'm not, if I remember correctly, is a like, D average. Right? Actually, I think one? maybe. No, I think two. I think two is a D average. 2.0 is a D average. Um, no, fours are A's, threes are B's, twos are C's, twos ones are, C's. are D's. Okay, so one or D's. Okay, so yeah. it, it definitely, it, well, he's obviously he's in the failing category. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that, Good he Lord. Was, the fact that he was going to graduate, he was actually going to graduate before this, before this was found out. And then they claim that, well, this was an anomaly. No, it's not an anomaly because how is it an anomaly if he's in the top six or he's in the 60th percentile in his graduating class? Right. Which means there are people behind, he's still performing better than some of the other kids. Because if I don't care like, if he's in the 40th percentile of his class that means that 40 percent of your graduating class are failing they can't even make a d right. in right. english math science right and so now oh. the school the school district is looking into this into the situation what they're looking into is how did this get out that's what they're looking well of into. course they're and, they're not stupid they know that this is going right. on just like every school district knows this goes on but they've supposedly been looking into it for two years. Allegedly. But I, I thought this was an anomaly and they just found right. it out. Right. This is, th this is just, this is just absolutely egregious. The, the public education system is absolutely atrocious. And here's the thing this with the scholarships that I, uh, on the kids that I talked to with in the scholarships, I interviewed six kids and out of the six kids, one of them, attends a public school. The other four, the four of the kids attend 
charter schools and and the um the sixth kid attends a private school by private what does that a, tell you it's a catholic school it's a religious school so five out of the six kids that i interviewed are do not are go not to public, in the public schools, schools are not right. in the public school system so it is possible for your child to actually do well in a public school but that is going to require you as a parent out there if you're hearing me and the child as an as to be dedicated to the education that they are going to get and to pursuing their own endeavors to try and make the best of it otherwise I mean, just on what you're what you're telling me right now, the deck is absolutely stacked against them from the day they register. Well, and it's no bit, and it's no better than than when we they get into university, right? Because <clears throat> here's a here's an article, um, and I, I I hate to I hate to say this. No, you don't. Um, no, I I do. I hate to say this because this is an article about my alma mater, Arizona State University. Go Devils! Oh, hold on a minute. Let me let me take notes. <laughs> this is this is pretty egregious this is terrible this oh. is absolutely terrible it doesn't make me it doesn't bring me any uh, it doesn't bring me any pride that i that uh, you know as a sun devil it really doesn't um the title of this news article is arizona state dean grading grading writing based on quality is racist promotes white language supremacy yes so let, let's, let me read part of this article here for you. It says, an Arizona State University associate dean penned a 358-page book detailing how grading students' writing is a form of racism and white supremacy. So if you look at sentence structure, paragraph structure, page structure, et cetera, and English. you're writing, yes, English. using English, that's racist, and it's a form of white supremacy. In a book titled Labor-Based Grading Contracts, Building Equity and Inclusion in the Compassionate Writing Classroom, Professor, I'm going to butcher this name and my apologies, Professor Aseo Inoue, I don't know, encourages teachers to ditch grading for a labor-based grading system wherein students earn grades based on their effort. The quality of a student's writing would not help or hinder their course grade. Let me repeat that. The quality of a student's writing would not help or hinder their course grade. Just how much effort they put into it. Yeah. So if they sat at the if they sat at a blank page for eight hours, they put in a lot of effort, and they should get a good grade. Yep. Um, I'll I'll remind that the this professor next time he goes to I don't know buy a car, that it's not the quality of the work that's done on building that car that's important or you know the safety features the thing but how hard everybody worked to really try and put it together right yeah because that's what's going to matter right the article goes on says critical race theory contributed to in idea that ranking things is a system rooted in racism oh really because, yeah yeah Shocker. because grading is a form of ranking grading must also be a racist idea in his book in dubbed grading and the education system writ large racist for their connections to ranking quote ranking is a part of a much longer racist and white supremacist tradition in western intellectual history in a writes Quote, ranking has been deeply embedded in racist thinking, discourses, and logics, mainly because it has been deployed as a way to justify a number of racist, empirical, and colonial projects over the last 400 years. So just because people did some things with the English language, 
Therefore, language as a whole, English language as a whole, is racist and white supremacist. I, 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 this is beyond comprehension. Okay. There were a lot of people warning years and years ago that participation trophies were going to lead to bad things. Yeah. This is another example of that. College degrees are going to be participation show trophies. High school diplomas almost already are. So at what point do we want more out of what we value in our country? Whether it's the education that we receive, the products that we buy, the, um, the life that we have for ourselves and our family. At what point do we say that, you know what, I want something more than just somebody else's level of satisfaction? There's got to be a way to grade that. And that's exactly what we call it. It's called grading. I mean, you, crying out loud, when you go on to everybody's buying everything online, when you go look at something online, what do you look at? You look at reviews and a star rating. That's a grading system. You mean to tell me that that's now racist because it's applying a grade? Yes. Come on. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, yes. everybody out there, I, I don't care. Even Dr. Inoue or I know whatever his... He knows that that's not true. All of this is, is the fact of the matter is when you go to school, you have to be graded based on your understanding of the subject. That's what the grade is. Do you understand it or not? And how well? That's what the grade is about. And I'm sorry, that does require effort to work at. And just because you're going to, quote unquote, stare at a blank page, as you said, for eight hours and do nothing, well, you might as well have just done nothing. But don't expect me to grade you and feel sorry for you and say, okay, that's good enough. Well, can, that's can you... not how our society works or should. And that's, that's not how it has worked up to this point. And we as a country and we as, as people um, in that contribute to our society right now have to start being willing to take a stand for what is right. Well, and, and here's the thing, right? Tell, tell this to Hollywood. Hollywood, didn't they just do the, Glo the Golden Globes or something like that? And, and aren't know. they about ready to do the Academy Awards now or something? Don't right? know, don't care. And, but what do they do? They give awards. They give awards based on certain criteria that they deem some movies or some actors and actresses to be better than others. Right. So by this guy's logic, all of Hollywood all is of a bunch Hollywood of All of Hollywood is racist. Yep. Well, we already this, know that, but let's, you know, <laughs> let's just go ahead and confirm that based on this guy's theoretical framework here. Sure. So yep. anywhere there's any kind of a, this is, this is lunacy because basically what he is saying here is anytime there's a hierarchy where somebody is somebody for whatever characteristic that they may have is placed higher on a hierarchical chain than somebody else, that that hierarchy represents racist white supremacy. Correct. And that is absolutely redonkulous. Mm -hmm. We see hierarchies throughout nature not just in the animal kingdom correct it, it, it no, exists this, everywhere absolutely it, it's 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 part of natural law and i and i'm not talking about law written down it's just the the, the way life works um you know uh, uh the survival of the fittest idea it's the weakest that fall behind and fall to the bottom that's true no matter where you change the freaking bar 
Right. And that's all this is. It's trying to arbitrarily change the middle ground to try and cover up for insufficiencies in certain areas. And I'm sorry, that's that's just excusing away. And it's not going to end. That never ends because no matter how you change the bar, you're going to have to continually try and adjust that to arbitrarily adjust for it. It's, it's not going to end. Right. And again, th this will not end until we say that that's it. This is done. Yeah. So... So this feeds into the topic that I wanted to get into today, which is, you know, how cancel, cancel culture is going off. Well, it's been long gone off the rails, but now it's just cranking it all up to 11. Now, uh, this past week, it was announced that six Dr. Seuss books will no longer be published over offensive images. So right. now people want to say that Dr. Seuss was racist, or at least he was, he had an unconscious racial bias that found its way into some of his illustrations in six books. Um, so the publisher has since delisted these books. They've can't, they're, they're, they're stopping publication and distribution of these novels, of these books. Um, what a lot of people fail to recognize is that this gained momentum on social media before the publisher opted to um, stop publication. So this was born out of social justice warriors on social media who found these things and started to raise um, raise awareness about it and the publisher in an attempt to call favor with the social justice warriors who are not buying Dr. Seuss books. No. They're not buying Dr. Seuss books. So in, a, in an attempt to appease the mob, the publisher decided that they will no longer publish the books. And, and this also falls on the heels, something that happened about a week ago, where Amazon made an announcement to absolutely nobody, but everyone in particular, they, they made an announcement saying that they were going to delist particular books that they found Amazon finds to be offensive. Okay. Um, and shortly after that announcement was made, there were many different uh, conservative writers who have written conservative political books or conservative books on economics or any other host of, of very benign topics that some of their books, some of these authors were recognizing that they were a losing um, uh, reviews of their books. And so based on the review counts going down and positive reviews disappearing from their books, it makes it harder for those books to be presented during certain types of searches. And so the cons these conservative authors are now recognizing that their books are not showing up with various searches on Amazon as a way of censoring these books and hiding these books from people actually purchasing them. Uh, eBay, after Dr. Seuss's publisher decided they were no longer going to publish six books, eBay decided that they were going to delist all of the sales off of their website for people who are trying to sell these books. I would like it known that Mein Kampf is still available on Amazon and eBay. And yes. not that I'm saying that those that Mein Kampf should not be available. It should absolutely be available. People should have access and should be able to read that book. Um, but if this is why you and I say it's so important for people to have principles, because this is a complete, if you're going to say that Dr. Seuss is bad, but you're not going to say that Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf is bad, 
then there's something wrong with your principles here. Correct. Something completely wrong. Well, and, and I find it interesting how, so if something's offensive, let's just say that if I ran a zoo by Dr. Seuss is somehow deemed offensive or potentially offensive. Okay. Where does personal responsibility fall off the wagon? This is what I say, you know, when I look at the, and I'm, I'm going to pick on the left for a minute, but I'm going to say all of the liberal, because um, most of the social justice warriors and all of the activist groups, they tend to be on the left-hand side of the aisle. So if you're going to say something is offensive and you're looking out for our, the, the proverbial hour and everyone's best interest, when when do those people actually lose their rights and their ability to think for themselves? You want them to think for themselves so long as they agree with you and you want their voice to be heard when they are crying out on the street what you've told them you want to cry out. You want to be able to mobilize those people. But when it comes to actually trusting the individual to make their own decision, they can't be trusted with that. Because let's just say for the sake of argument that if I ran a zoo, a Dr. Seuss book about a child who runs a zoo for crying out loud is suddenly offensive. If it's that offensive, then people won't buy it and people won't read it and people won't read it to their kids because it's offensive. But if it's, if that's the case, let that happen. And let people not buy it. And let sales for it go down to the toilet. Guess what? Supply and demand will remove that just because there's no demand for it because people don't want it. But that's not what's happening. You're arbitrarily saying we know better than you and better than everyone else. We've deemed this offensive and we are erasing it. That is censorship way above and beyond the reach of any group or organization to choose for me and for everyone else out there what is okay to read that's well, and, wrong and anybody in history just go back through history anytime any group has burned books has censored books has delisted books they have never been the good guys ever never once have they ever been the good guys um and, and we're seeing that now. And keep in mind, the left, they're the ones who claim to be against censorship. Yeah. But <laughs> they, they talk about that all the time. Right, right. They, they, but what they're, what they're really in favor of, they're really in favor of censorship for those items that they deem to be problematic. They don't well, want to be censored, but they want to be able to censor others. And you have to look at the source for this. You know, I, I was listening to this too. So I'll, we'll take Disney. Everybody, whether you love, hate, actually respects Disney for being able to produce what they have produced, at least early on. I'm not talking about the last 10 to 12 years because, well, I don't want to get into that. But I mean, you go like Robin Hood and Aristocats and... You know, I mean, those are, they're good kids movies and they're good family movies. There's usually some sort of lesson that actually brings a family together. And you can talk about They're they're great stories and great adaptations. Disney now has surrendered any and all kind of common sense to a group, a whole panel 
a, or a, a group of panels actually who are made up of nothing but these woke activist groups blm um antifa I, there's I'm, there's like three or four others that i was just reading about that are all actually monthly meeting with disney so that they can go back and look at all of their previous titles and tell them what is offensive and what is not well guess what if their whole job is to show up and tell disney what they have to cancel next do you think that's going to stop they're just going to go oh no you don't need us anymore no, they're going to keep going and keep finding something. Yeah. And that just keeps, again, this is what I'm talking about, raising this bar of what's acceptable and what is not. Yeah. There's nothing left. Absolutely nothing left. It's, this, is, this is not going to end until the American people say no more. And we're already seeing it. Muppet, the Disney placed, uh, placed trigger warnings on the Muppet show off of Disney plus. Um, so now when you want to watch the Muppets, there's going to be, you're going to have to see, sit through a trigger warning in case you were offended by anything. And but, but do you really think, and I'm asking you directly, do you really think that trigger warnings are going to last much longer? Let me, let me rephrase that question. Do you think the Muppet show will survive much longer with just a trigger warning no because i say bullshit no. i say that gets pulled off of there probably within the next 90 days maybe maybe within 90 days sure there's a possibility there this i, I think it'll stop. i think it'll eventually i think they'll eventually get pulled or they'll just get it'll slowly just disappear off of the mm. streaming service and, and go away and, and if you don't think it's if, if you think it well there's got to be a limit it's going to They've already, the, the same social justice warriors, they've already turned their sights. Now Pepe Le Pew is under the gun. Uh, Pepe Le Pew and um, Speedy Gonzalez because Speedy Gonzalez uses Mexican stereotypes mm -hmm. because all the little mice are Mexicans and Pepe Le Pew promotes race, rape culture. Those are the oh. those those are the arguments, right? And and let's let's talk about Pepe Le Pew for I, a second, right? I, I thought you were gonna say something about him being French, and I'm like, since when do the French get offended by anything? <laughs> but okay, all right. He's but he, the the argument is Pepe Le Pew promotes rape culture because he goes after the cat, he gets the cat, and he starts kissing the cat, and she's fighting away, based clearly saying no. Mm -hmm. and she gets away, and then he does his little bouncy, bouncy, bouncy stuff mm -hmm. as he chases after her. Okay, but what's being what's not being talked about is how do you square this with those episodes with Pepe Le Pew where Pepe becomes destunkified, right? He's like he's no he no longer stinks, right? And he's all perfumed up and he's all handsome now. And then the cat sees him, and the cat now wants him no. has become enraged with lust and then attacks Pepe Le Pew and starts kissing on him. And now Pepe doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And he bolts. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the flip side of that. Now, as a kid, I watched tons of Looney Tunes cartoon, Looney of Tunes course, cartoons. We all up. did. <laughs> and we all did. I never, got, I never watched Pepe Le Pew and thought I need to rush out and grab a girl and start kissing her. Well, you never, you never watched the Coyote and Roadrunner 
and started to like call, try and call up the Acme company or figure out where you could get a giant, I don't know, trampoline or a, a 10,000 ton weight so that you can set a trap and drop it on somebody out in front of your house either. But watch, that's going to be promoting violence. And next thing you know, that's going to go away. I, I mean, this is so freaking stupid. How far do we go with this? I mean, keeping in mind that the only reason why Pepe Le Pew was after the cat was because Pepe Le Pew thought she was a skunk. Right. Because in every episode, it has some, you know, some paint gets rubbed yeah, on the back paint, of the cat. You know, the flagpole or was yeah, one. something yeah, like I mean, that, right? Yeah. And so then Pepe thinks that it's a skunk. And it was very clear that this that the cat didn't want to have anything to do with Pepe Le Pew because, well, she's a cat. She's not a skunk. Right. And and then they ended up introducing the female skunk who catches wind, oh, who yeah. catches sight of Pepe Le Pew. And then she wants him. And so yeah. she goes after him. Yep. And he's chasing after the cat and, and, and then the, the other female skunk, skunk. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name well, either. Yeah. Yeah, but these are these are <laughs> these are all of these kinds of that nobody's talking about all of this in context. Um, so you know what what got me thinking about some of this is I saw I saw this post on Facebook, and somebody that I know on Facebook posted this, and it's this picture. It's this. It's an attempt at being a meme, and it's an attempt at being clever. And this individual posted this picture. And the picture just says this. I'm going to read it to you. It says, no one is canceling Dr. Seuss. Now, point of clarification for any of the people who are familiar. I don't know if this is true, but apparently Dr. Seuss was not pronounced. The, the name Seuss is not pronounced Seuss. I was told this. I don't know this definitively, but I was told this by a friend that Seuss was actually supposed to, is actually pronounced as Seuss. I don't know if that's true or not. Anyway, I call it Dr. Seuss because everybody calls him Dr. Seuss and whatever. Shut up and just accept the Seuss. Okay. So the, the meme here says no one is canceling Dr. Seuss. There are six books that his own, his own estate capitalized are ceasing to publish because of overtly racist content. They are using them as a way to to say, quote, this is the heritage that we came from and we have learned and are doing better now, end quote. Six books out of hundreds isn't canceling, it's learning. It's like when you rocked whatever horrible fashion was trendy when you were 13 and at 30, you're like, phew, glad I got over that tragic look. Dr. Seuss and most of his work is alive and well, not canceled. Six books are no longer being published. It's the right thing to do. No, it's okay. not. And I want to talk about this. No, no, it's not. It's wrong. It's it's censorship from a third party. And I'm sorry, that is just absolutely disgusting. Now, there's a lot to unpack in that little statement. So uh -huh. you can relay all this back to your friend. Um, Disney, like I brought up before, they're canceling a lot of their crap too. And that does not make it right either. Self-canceling is no better or worse so don't get on an, on a freaking high horse about that crap either. And second, yes, six books being canceled are canceled. Now, if this was actually, quote unquote, learning, we're learning and we're doing better. And this was the heritage we, okay, let's just say for, for sake of argument, I were to accept that. I'm going to accept that hook, line, and sinker, 100%. Why not? 
print that out in big, bold Dr. Susie letters and put it in the front of that book. Why not put your trigger warning, like you called it before, in the front of that book and say, you know what? We are going to continue to make this book because it's more than just what someone might infer from it. But we recognize that this is part of the heritage we are from. And while this could be construed this way, we want to put this warning in here and say, you, the reader, you make up your own mind. You're an intelligent human being with the right to discern accurately your own choice and put that out there. If that were true, that would suffice, but it's not. Censorship is wrong. So, and I agree with you. I want to I want to kind of break this part down a little bit. So, when the beginning of this meme says no one is canceling Dr. Seuss, and makes the claim that his own estate, all capital, all shouty capitalized letters, his own estate is ceasing to publish. Okay, yes, his own estate is seeking to or ceasing to publish these books. But they made that they made that decision because the social justice warriors on the left literally dug through books and they found them and then said, this is racist. And so what happened is the estate has now bent the knee to the social justice mob as an attempt to say, please don't do anything bad to us. Mm -hmm. Please don't pull, you know, because... The entire country witnessed what happened last year across the United States. BLM, Antifa, they went into downtown places, you know, uh, town squares and whatnot, and they tore statues down that they determined were, were problematic and of the emblematic of racism in this country. And so they tore those things down and they were rioting because of, you know, racism and trying to fix it. Now you have companies like the Dr. Seuss Enterprises or whatever the hell it's called. They're afraid of the woke mob and they don't want to have their reputation trashed and tarnished and they don't want to have boycotts and all this kind of stuff going against them. So they bent the knee at the drop of a hat and said, fine, we're going to stop publishing the uh, publishing these books. So no, they actually were canceled and they bent the knee to the cancel mob. So there's there's that there's that part of it right well in the same way i'm sorry the dr seuss enterprises that's disney today i'm just making a correlation for everyone out there disney studios and walt disney productions who actually made most of the stuff that's looking at being canceled now are two different things to say that walt disney would be self-censoring is absolutely asinine that is not the same nor is Dr. Seuss Enterprises the same as saying Dr. Seuss himself is self-censoring. Continue. Right. And this is not like the horrible fashion trend when you were 13 and now you're looking back on it and at, at 30 and thinking, who glad I got over that tragic look. It is absolutely nothing like that. First of all, whatever horrible fashion thing that you were involved in, you were in you were not the culture in and of itself you were participating in part of the culture but the culture evolved because fashion evolves not because the trend was seen to be problematic 
Right. So that you can't make this type of a comparison. Yes, we're all glad we don't look like we did in, during the 80s, but guess what? Those styles and those fashions are also cyclical. They come back. Right. I was going to say they do come back. Yeah. Un- unless you're trying to make a comparison saying that um racism is trendy right. and thank god that that trend is out but don't worry everybody out there hang on to your um freaking kkk outfits and your lynches because racism is going to come back in another 10 years are you right. serious right now the the, la- the last line of this little meme thing here it's the right thing to do and this is really the the big bone that i have to pick with this with this meme whatever the hell you want to call this it's not the right thing to do no um and and so what how do we respond when somebody says well it's the right thing to do um because well it because let's face it on the surface it seems really good it seems good well why wouldn't we want to get rid of racist material why is that such a bad thing i'd I'd ask that or return answer that question with another question do you believe in the right of free speech yes then there you go censorship is the antithesis antithesis of free speech how about this let me change that around do you believe in the exercise of individual thought do you think that you have the right to think for yourself Yes. Then censorship is the antithesis of that as well. Because by telling me what I'm able to consume, whether it's via um, books or via media or movies or what I can look up on the internet, because it happens on the internet too. Um, We talked about censorship and anything you want to quote unquote Google. Well, if somebody's controlling what you get to see, that is censoring information. So if you believe that your own thoughts are your own and you have a right to think whatever you like and you, that's your proprietary idea, your proprietary information, that my brain is my own, nobody can control that, then censorship is 100% wrong because it does shape that. Well, and these are, these are very similar conversations that, have, that happened a few decades ago with respect to... Um, good old Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. Yep. Uh, there have been many schools, several different schools or school boards, etc., that have banned Huckleberry Finn, right? Because of you know the Adventures of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, etc. They banned those books because of the use of the N word in those books, and that's why they banned them. And people like me have been saying for years that. There's a, there's a difference between using the, those words and creating a sense of verisimilitude within the story itself, because that was the language that was used at the time, at the time, not when Samuel Clemens was around per se, but at the, the, the setting in which Mark Twain was writing, that's the language that was used. Right. And, and so we have to, one, we have to consider context. It's like you have to consider the context of Dr. Seuss. Sure. Dr. Seuss's books, have, they're caricatures of everybody. 
Right. I mean, in the Grinch stole Christmas, there's a whole town called Whoville for crying out loud. And, and the Grinch himself is a caricature uh, of, Actually, the, I think Whoville is in like three different Doctor yeah, Seuss Yeah, like three books. different different I mean, Doctor Seuss books. That's the whole point. It's that they're universal. They, they, they don't apply to any one culture or person. It's for everyone. That's why everybody looks kind of like a weird amalgamation of a whole bunch of different people. Because it's not supposed to look like any one race or type of person. But I guess in one of these books that was that is being depublished or, you know, not no longer published there was reference to it to the word chinaman yeah i think that was on um uh, i saw it on mulberry street i I saw it on mulberry street yeah and then there's like a chinese man who's like eating with chopsticks but of course he's a caricature looking and of course the the outrage mob says well this is insensitive it's racist um but the con you have to take the you have to understand the context so that that's that's the first thing that that you know, in my argument against all of this is that we have to understand the context. But the other thing too, that, that I want uh, people to, to take away from this is you have to, you have to draw the line. Mm-hmm. You have to say no. Right. Because here's the, here's the problem. If we don't start saying no, every little victory empowers them to find something else correct and it empowers them to find something else and something else and so it becomes death of a thousand cuts right and it it doesn't stop i i talked about this exact same thing when we were talking about um this up behind me you know i have my my redskins banners up behind me in my in my garage um i said if you think for one minute everybody's just going to be appeased by the fact that the redskins had to change their name you're out of your mind yeah this doesn't stop this ramps up i mean this this was just the and this is still just the beginning this doesn't stop i i warned about this time and time again you've heard me if you think for one minute you can give a little bit there is absolutely no satisfaction for groups like this every victory is just okay what's next and then we go looking for the next thing to attack, just like you're talking about with Pepe Le Pew yeah. and Speedy Gonzalez. I mean, this does it does not stop. And if you think that saying enough is enough is going to be enough, you have to stand up and say that. Right. Because every single one of these little battles and these social battles, uh, if if you back down, what we're what we're allowing to happen is we're allowing tyranny to gain an additional foothold on it because that's what it is. You're talking about a small group of people who are enforcing their will upon a large majority of people that say, no, there's nothing wrong with these books. You're, you have a small group of people who are, who have put enough pressure to get a publisher to, to unpublish these books, to stop publication on these books. So they have this small group of social justice warriors have been able to control the publishing acts of a, of a company. And you know, this is, I'm glad you brought that part up because uh, there's been so, oh, this is infuriating. So I'm going to try and control myself so I can speak a little bit more clearly. There has been so much gaslighting on social media in, in the mainstream media 
and everywhere you look so much gaslighting to that i believe the vast majority of americans in this country really do believe that these groups are massive that they're the majority they're not you're talking about in entirety and i'm talking about all of them put together are way less than 10%, way less, closer yeah. to six. I mean, there is there if is that, so few of them. They're, they're, they're minuscule. If that. But the if problem 6%. is the masses of us really do believe because we hear it on social media, we hear it on the, the mainstream media, on, t, on, on TV and radio, that the mass of people think that these things are offensive. So, and we're afraid of this invisible mob out there who's going to attack us they don't exist they're not that big we are we are huge in comparison the amount of people out there who think that if i ran a zoo by dr seuss is absolutely fine leave it alone is overwhelming in comparison to the very small handful yet we're afraid to stand up against that and i do blame especially the mainstream media and i'll pick on cnn and msnbc and the likes for absolutely convincing everybody through their gaslighting that and i i keep using that phrase gaslighting that that's a rep for those of you that, out there that don't know that's a reference to an old um uh broadway production where a a man is actually tries to convince his wife that she's going crazy and he keeps reducing yeah. the gas in the lights in the house so that she can't see and she starts doubting herself and it eventually drives her nuts but he's able to convince her it's her not him manipulating her that's what's happening with the media and everyone else they are convincing you me and everyone else out there that these BLM, Antifa, all these social justice jack wagons really do outnumber us by like 10 to 1. When in reality, we outnumber them by like 100 to 1. And if we actually take the stand, we grow a little bit of fortitude and stand with a sense of integrity and stand up and say, no, absolutely not. You're not going to destroy our culture. Because that's what this is. It's a destruction of our existing culture so they can remake what they want. But it's going to take us recognizing that we have the power to stand up and say no more. What, what, the thing I want people to, to keep in mind is when you get a group of people together, uh, and it, it usually starts off pretty small and pretty simple. Something, whatever it is, whatever little organization it is, or whatever little group, it starts off simple. And over time, that naturally gets bigger and bigger. And you add more people to it, you start, you know, now you might have you might had a group of let's say five people, and then eventually a sixth person gets added, and then a seventh person gets added over time, and an eighth person. And as you add more people, you need more rule rules to deal with the convolutedness of all of the different information pathways that exist within that group. Because it's very easy for 
for two people, you and I, to communicate with one another, there's only one channel, the channel that exists between you and I. But as you start adding more and more people, those number of that number of, of information and communication channels increases um, by leaps and bounds. And so it's a natural progression that anytime you have a group together, you're starting to put a group in place. And as that group begins to grow, it gets more and more complicated, which means you have more and more rules that try to govern behavior. Because it's very easy for a really small group of people to govern our behavior if we all believe in the same values. But if you start adding people and you don't know if they necessarily have all of the same 100% values, then you start creating more, more rules and regulations to govern that behavior, which means the more rules you're creating, the more the, the greater the propensity that now you're tilting more towards confined order as opposed to this loose freedom of interacting people. You start imposing more and more order on that social organization. And we have this in society. Society is naturally going to get slowly more corrupt and more tyrannical over time. It's the natural progression of any kind of a society. And so this is this is how this is one of those ways in which society gets more oppressive and more tyrannical is when people start having battles like this and they say, well, this is offensive. We got to ban it. And this word is bad. So we got to ban it. And if you're not willing to stand up and say, you know what? Enough's enough. Stop. All you're doing is you're just giving ground every single time you're giving ground and giving ground. And those on the other side, they're victorious and they can say, well, I'm going to take another step and I'm going to take another step. As long as you keep retreating, they're going to continue to take another step. So we have to get to a point, And I think we've passed the point where people just have to say, stop, enough's enough. I'm not going to give any ground up anymore. Right. And, you know, I understand people, their, their propensity to say, well, you know, six Dr. Seuss books, that's not a hill I'm going to go die on. And I understand that to a point. I, I do. And I empathize with that. I and mean, I think most Americans are in that spot. Well, there goes that one more thing moving on. What can I do about it? Forget it. It's not that big a deal. I've got a lot of other more important things to do. Yeah, I can understand that. But when it finally does knock on your door, when it's something that really does matter to you to a point where you can't ignore it, the likelihood is it's too late. It's already grown like you're talking about and gained the momentum to where it literally is the steamroller that will roll you over. And this is where you have to have the integrity to stand up for it, even when it's painful. And, and I, I mentioned this, you know, so integrity is a person said to have integrity when they actually display a principal dedication to their values and beliefs. Or you always hear the, the phrase, you know, integrity means doing what's right, even when no one's looking, no one's looking, right? Everybody's heard that. I was thinking about that the other day and I said, you know, what's I think more important is doing what's right and standing for right, especially when everyone is watching and when doing so could actually cause you harm. So what I mean by that, you and I had a discussion early before, I think the, um, um, or during the election, right around that time, we talked about the old blue dog Democrats, right? 
and we we made that argument that they they know or they can see the deterioration of that party around them but they can't stand up and say this isn't right and i made the argument then that having a true belief in those values and principles if you have integrity you have to stand up and say no my values and principles have not changed and i don't care who's attacking that whether it's the people that i usually stand against or unfortunately the people that i'm normally aligned with but this is wrong and it takes integrity to stand up knowing that you are going to come under fire for voicing that but without being willing to do that your values and principles fall to nothing and i believe that all the, most people out there have a belief in what they have in their core as far as what those values and principles are you have to have the integrity to stand up for it especially when you know that doing that will cause you pain i don't think most people would do that though most people aren't doing that that's why Dr. Seuss books are being yeah, banned. That's why people haven't outright boycotted Disneyland and, and Disney for the crap that they did with, um, what's her name, with uh, the Mandalorian and some of the things that they're doing now. That's why we've allowed um, BLM and Antifa and all these social justice groups to run out and completely destroy the towns we live in and tear down the history that we raised our kids on and that we were raised with. That's why we've allowed this to go on as long as we have, because they're afraid of actually standing up on it. But at what point do we look around and we can no longer say, look what they're doing? When we have to look in the mirror and recognize it's not them, it's us. When we allow this, to continue and we allow this to permeate it's no longer their fault it's our fault if you've got an out of control four-year-old or five-year-old running around tearing up a department store or a grocery store whatever there's only so much that i can blame the child for every parent knows that look they get when they are allowing their child to run around like an absolute out of control animal it's not the kid's fault anymore. It's the parent. We are the ones to blame for this at this point. But They're I can't, not going to stop. I, I can't stop it. But I can't blame people for not speaking up. I mean, there's a part of me that can't that doesn't that can't blame them to a certain degree. There are some because not I, I don't believe 100% of the population has the wherewithal to to stand up and say something there are a lot of people that are deathly afraid. Yes, they are. They're, and because you have people on social media, for example, who are being fired from their jobs for things that they said years ago, mm -hmm. decades ago, that weren't even bad. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where there was an instructor, wasn't it an instructor was who was a fired, a journalist oh, who was, yeah, there was a journalist who was fired for trying to talk about the racial slurs in the context of them being racial slurs. He didn't call somebody the racial slur. Mm -hmm. 
He was trying to educate around the racial slur and about why it's a racial slur or something along those lines. He was wanting to, he was using the term, trying to understand the context that something was said, which means his use of the term was purely 100% academic. And that was considered problematic. And he was fired for it. So for the people that say, well, I don't want, there are, I believe there are a lot of people in the country right now in our society who are fed up with it, but they don't want to lose their jobs. They have mortgages. Mm -hmm. They have families they're trying to take care of. They have food to put on the table. And some of these people, some of them, if they get fired from their job, they're not going to get another one anytime soon, or they're certainly not going to get one at the same pay rate that they're, that they're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. And in some of those situations, it can literally mean they cannot work in that industry. So oh, I, I understand the difficulty. I absolutely do. Um, and I, I empathize with everyone out there who's, who, <laughs> yes, I get where you're at. I really do. But for me, and you know what? I could be one who could actually lose my job at some point. Sure, I could. You and I but, And you and I had this discussion when we started doing this show early on. This yeah. was a risk that we both knew we were taking. Yeah. But I feel that this is absolutely vital to preserving not only my own personal values and principles, but the ones that I were raised with and the ones that I'm going to pass on to my children and a way of life. Now, let me ask you this question. Go. We've talked about masonry on here and I'm going to bring masonry in here for just a quick second. Okay. I think everybody who's listening to this show knows that we're masons. As masons, we often come... And it's rules within our fraternity. You will not stand against the overthrow of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, it's um, any, I will not support any group with the intent of overthrowing the government. Overthrowing the government, right. Correct. How do you define that? So the overthrow of the government would... In, in essence, the way I would interpret that would not be interpret act- it. How do you define, how do okay. we as a fraternity define it? It's extremely important because, mm-hmm. because our Masonic brothers stood against the crown of England. They literally overthrew their government to install the United States of America. And for us to now in 2021 state that as Masons, we cannot do that. That's problematic. Mm-hmm. That literally George Washington is the only master Mason to be worshipful master of his lodge while being president of the United States. And he was the general of the Revolutionary Army. Benjamin Franklin, for those who don't know about Masonry, Benjamin Franklin was a Mason. Paul Revere, the guy who ran through Boston saying the, the British are coming, the British are coming is a Mason. Many of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Masons. How can we as a fraternity say we're not going to over... At what point, even in our Declaration of Independence, it states that at some point when 
hum, when mankind, when a people are so oppressed by their government that it becomes their duty to rise up and overthrow that government. That's what the Declaration of Independence says, mm-hmm. written and approved by Freemasons. How can we as Freemasons say, you know what? Are we, and I just got finished explaining how every society tilts continuously towards tyrannical oppression. One small step at a time. Just look at the Federal Register if you don't believe me. The Federal Register at the founding of this country was the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And now there, the, the Federal Register, if you print it out, massive mass millions and millions of pages long and every single one of those pages basically is in support of regulations laws and regulations that constrict the freedom because laws don't do one thing and one thing only they restrict freedom freedom yep so by that gen by that definition alone that's enough that's evidence to support my claim that over time a society an organization a group of people gets more and more oppressive that it tilts towards tyranny versus tilting towards freedom so at what point as masons does it become our duty to say enough well and oddly enough i've been sitting here talking about the integrity and standing up for our values and principles right i've been i've been on a little bit of a high horse on that um Integrity is one of those principles that we talk about in the fraternity. Heavily. Of course it is. And so. But us having this conversation right now, mm -hmm. us having this conversation, if we recognize the simple fact that the society tilts towards tyranny over and over again, and just the simple fact of saying enough, stop, uh, stop being oppressive. By, by many by many brothers' own definition, they would constitute that as trying to overthrow the government. Understood. There and, are and people who would def- who would interpret it that way. Sure. So by us having this conversation, there could be individuals within our own fraternity that say those two guys we need to kick them out. Well, then I'll stand trial for that. If that's I, I would totally stand trial for that. I would absolutely 100% stand trial for that, stand a Masonic trial. And if Freemasonry said, we don't want you anymore because you're too much of a radical, then I would say, well, then that's fine. <laughs> well, and this wouldn't be the first time in, in American history where we've had Masons on opposite sides within this country. I mean, you look at the right. Civil War. Sure. There were Masons fighting against Masons in the North yeah. and the South. Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting stories if you ever care to dig up some sure. of those about how those happen because there's a, there's a lot of conflicting information there. I I understand the concern. Uh, I was really disappointed to hear some of the things that were said about people who were um, at the Capitol building, not yeah. busting into the Capitol building, just walking down the street going, hey, what's that going on over there? Yeah. Um, it's disturbing. Um, there- and to think that there's such vitriol and cancel culture that's out there right now that even even our own fraternity who sees each other as brothers and we talked about this when we talked about uh freemasonry um are so quick 
to judge without letting anybody the benefit of the doubt or treating them like family as we are supposed to. As we're supposed to. I mean, the, the, on January 6th, there were, I have since heard from that, from that day, I have since heard other Masons say any Mason who was there, they should be kicked out. Yeah. And, and my response is, wait a minute, were they trying to overthrow the government or were they trying to reinforce the government that was already in place? Because those are two different things. Sure. Even if, even if the people, if we want to say for the sake of argument that the individuals who breached the Capitol building that, that walked in and still maintained and still stayed within the, the, the little boundary line area, the velvet ropes, the velvet ropes, right. They were, they were, they were storming the Capitol so much that they, maintained an orderly progression <laughs> or procession <laughs> right. through the Capitol building. Okay. So, but even for the sake of argument, even if we say that those people were so fed up with their government, were they really trying to overthrow it or were they really trying to say, you know what, I would rather we go back to a government that represented all Americans because there's a, were they trying to overthrow our constitution or were they trying to say you know what i want to actually have a government that supports the constitution because those are two different things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people fail to recognize that difference i think there are a lot of masons who forget to recognize that difference and i think a lot of masons immediately latch on to because we've talked about this before most people don't think well, and okay. All right. So let me back up just for one second. You know, I, I know, especially I'm not calling with, for insurrection or revolt no, 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 or no, 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 like no. That. That's not what either one of us are doing. Yeah. But again, we're talking. So you, all right, you brought up the Masons. I'll pick on, on ourselves and in our group just for another quick second. Again, what I'm hearing you saying is there are people who are saying this. Yes, I'm sure there are. But you know what? I don't believe for a minute that that's the majority of that group either. That's just a smaller subsection of the larger populace, and it's just what I'm talking about. You're talking about a very small minority portion of the larger population. And I don't believe for one friggin' minute that that group is any different than the entire American public either. I think you're talking about a very small percentage. And as history has shown us, usually it's the larger or the, excuse me, the, um, the least informed are usually the loudest in the crowd and they make the biggest scene. And that's who I think you're talking about there as well. So anyway, continue. Well, no, I mean, just, you know, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's an important distinction and I think it's important for for people to recognize that when we say, even if when, when we say, you know what, stop with the crazy, stop it, leave Pepe Le Pew alone, leave Dr. Seuss alone, leave the Muppets alone, leave all of these different touch points that are part of our culture, part of our society, and have been for a long time. For decades, there haven't been they haven't been perceived as racist or derogatory to any group of people. In fact, all of these things have celebrated humanity. 
and entertain and brought joy and happiness to millions of people. And so when we stand up and say, you know what? No, you're, I'm not going to let you say that Pepe Le Pew is problematic. I'm not going to let you say that uh, Speedy Gonzalez is problematic because he's Mexican. I'm not going to let you do that anymore. By virtue of me saying that, I'm standing up against the yes. oppression of the social justice warriors, people on the left who are trying to enforce their tyrannical view on other people. And guess who's in control of our federal government right now? A lot of leftists right now, mm -hmm. right? So we have we have leftists in the White House. We have leftists that controlling um, the, the House. And we have leftists that actually break the tie in the Senate. So we have a very left-leaning um, government. Mm -hmm. And so by me saying no to leftism right now, there are some people that could construe that to be, well, he's anti-American. He wants <laughs> to overthrow the government. I don't want to overthrow the government. I just simply want a constitutional government that doesn't oppress me. Is that so much? Is that so hard to ask for? No. Apparently it is. No, it's not. And, you know, I, I, I can appreciate the point you're making when it comes to just you. I'm not telling anybody to revolt. And to try and, and storm the Capitol building or storm anywhere else. and try, But you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, I know a lot of uh, businesses out there right now who are doing, you know, every time there's you ongoing education in your, in your place of business or anywhere else, you've got your sexual harassment training. I know um, somebody very near and dear to me actually did one for their work on unconscious bias which is basically unconscious racism and i said well if it were me i'd say no i'm not taking that i'm not gonna do that well what if that cost you your job i would have to look at that because that's indoctrination of an ideology and i refuse to accept that I'm not going to go out there and, and, and start calling everybody names and saying, well, you're all racist if you agree with it and, you know, call up the, the news channels and tell them to come out here because I'm making a scene. But I can say, no, I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm not going to get indoctrinated with that just like everything. I'm, no, I'm not doing it. Well, Did I catch you in thought or with chocolate in your mouth? With chocolate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would, you know, it really depends on context, I think. If, if I'm working for a company and the company says you have to go through sensitivity training or, you know, or you're going to be fired. Well, it has to depend on context. I have to look at my life and see what's happening at that moment. Is it a lot for me to go through that? I mean, I did it in uh, college courses I took. There were plenty of college classes that I took that were being taught a very Marxist view of a subject. And I knew going in that that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was going to be graded on how well I could spew or at least... Um, tiptoe around the Marxist ideology that was being taught. I knew that. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I had a choice. I could either A, drop the class, or B, I could view it as part of a game and do what I needed to do to just appease the mob, appease the crowd and get through it. I made my choice at the time for, the, for those classes. Um, you know, I think a lot of companies that bring in these, um, these racial training courses, right? These woke training classes, I think their intentions are really in the right place. I don't think they're doing it as a way to, um, they certainly don't know that it's, it's, it's going to contribute the opposite of what they're hoping to accomplish. They don't realize that. And I think they, they honestly believe that they're doing something that they think is going to be better or that people are going to appreciate when everything is said and done. I don't think it's being done in any malice. See, no, and I, I don't think it's being done in any malice. I don't think that their hearts are in the right places, though, either. I think that that is purely some lawyer told them this is what you need to do to cover your ass. And I don't think that they give two rats one way or the other. I don't believe either one of those things are true. No, the reason why I don't believe that they're necessarily covering their ass is because there hasn't been... We don't have a huge slate of, of legal issues um, and, and court cases um, based on racial inequality right now. We, no, did, with, we did with the, with the gender thing. We did with sexual harassment. And so that's why they implemented sexual harassment, because there were a lot of legal cases at the time. Yeah, but I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I honestly believe based on the conversations that I've had with different organizations that most of the HR groups are just doing it because they truly believe that, you know what, this is going to be a good thing. They think that the culture is shifting. The truth is the culture hasn't shifted. I don't believe that. I, I, I know I, I understand where you're at, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. Yeah. And the reason, I, and here's why I say this. Okay, Here's okay. why I say this. And the reason why I say this is because it takes less than 2% of a population to change the larger population. I know that. And, but, but what I'm saying is, so I, I don't think that they're going, okay, the culture's changed. This is what the culture wants. Mm-hmm. No, I believe that they say the culture is changing. We're going to do this now to save the company's liable butts when something happens here soon because i believe that that's exactly where they're at you're right we don't have a whole lot of court cases out there right now like we did with the sexual harassment and the gender dysphoria bs that's going on out there we don't have that yet but we've got the precedence of that stuff already happened up the the last few years that they go this is just the next dang thing so we're going to cover our respective company ass right now put this in place we did training we already did training. We were ahead of the game. We did training, and uh, so it's not our fault. That's purely on the individual. Company cannot be held liable. Thank you very much. No, and the reason the reason why the, the reason why I don't believe that they're doing it for legal reasons is because of the simple fact that it is very widely known. There is tremendous evidence that shows the racial training classes actually create racists in the organization. So right now, most every lawyer worth his salt. And if you're not saying this as a lawyer, then you're not worth your salt and you should be fired. But every lawyer in an organization, the advice should not be do the training to avoid getting sued. It should absolutely 100% be don't do the training because you're likely going to create racist. And then your, then your likelihood of being sued for racial issues is going to go up just because you're introducing the training. 
And so there's tremendous, there is zero evidence, zero evidence that racial training actually curbs racism. Zero. In fact, the evidence is the opposite. So yes. it tells me they're not doing it to avoid being law being sued because if they were trying to do it to avoid being sued, they wouldn't do it. No, you're looking at this based on facts and outcomes, which I love. Yeah. I love you for. That's what lo- that's if- what the law firms have to do. That's what they have no, to do. That's not what they have to do. They have to absolutely play on the possibility of repercussions. That is not anything you look at this covid thing and i hate to bring covid back up but if you were actually looking at data and looking at what the the data it says what this does and what our outcomes should be covid would have been done because it has nothing to do and we wouldn't be doing masks and we wouldn't be doing all this other crap because right now we've got all the data in the world (coughs) excuse me to show that that's not effective but that you're talking, you're trying to take a societal thing versus what's happening at the organizational side, right? So when you have organizations doing racial training, that's different than what's happening at the larger societal cultural cultural level. So the 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 the, the organizations that are bringing in racial training, they are legitimately trying to do they they're the idea that's happening within the HR firms is this will actually be good for our employees. But the fact is now we actually are seeing organizations swap that. Coca-Cola got busted doing it and they've stopped it. LinkedIn used to have all of these woke training classes. They've now since pulled them because now they've realized that it's problematic and most people are now against it. So we've just, and this was just happened within the last couple of weeks. So we are seeing companies go, oh, wait, this is problematic now. We'll, we'll stop. So that is happening because if it wasn't, if it was truly, as you said, that it's legal, that they're just trying to CYA, they A, wouldn't do it, or B, they would continue to do it even when now large groups of people are saying this is an issue. And they're literally they're legitimately now backing down because now they realize, oh, you don't need this. You don't want this. Okay, we'll back off. So I think the start of this is HR companies, HR groups, had their hearts in the right place. They thought it would actually be inclusive and diversifying because a small group of people in the culture said, we need to have diversity training. We need to diversify. And that still continues to a certain degree, not so much with the racial training, but we still have people celebrating down to the the middle management and people on teams saying, well, we got to be all diversified. We have to have diversity. It's good to have diversity. And what, and what they're just talking about racial diversity, because everybody wants to be inclusive. They want to say, of course, I like black people. Of course, I like the Latino people. Of course, I like the yellow Asian people. I'm not a bigot. They're doing everything they can to show that they're not a bigot, and, and now it's just, it keeps, it's insanity. It is insanity. It is insanity. And you know what? I hope you're right. Because that means that there's possibly a way back, but um, you've got a much more glamorous view of HR than I do. Well, I mean, I've worked with a quite a number of them. I, I believe and, and including and in including legal teams. I mean, but I also don't have a cynical view of how a lot of organizations function. Now, to say that every single company is trying to avoid is is 
is not doing it for legal reasons would be a misnomer. I think there are just, there are plenty of shitty organizations with absolutely terrible leadership. And so of course they're going to be making all kinds of decisions based on stupid reasons. Not those, those organizations do exist, but I think a lot of your larger companies like American Express, for example, or Motorola or um, Coca-Cola, I think these large, they have, you have to understand another piece too of this. Another part of this equation is many organizations have realized because there's tremendous effort that says, or tremendous evidence to support this, that says companies that show community, that do community outreach, they tend to survive longer as organizations and they tend to weather depressions, economic depressions and economic downturns more um, better than companies that do not have community rapport and community relationships um, outside of just selling their products and services. So I think this gets tied in with a lot of these big organizations which who love to do community outreach companies like American Express, for example, and Visa and Coca-Cola, et cetera. And it plays right into that mentality of, well, let's do it for the community and all of the, the nice jazzy stuff. They're walking into a minefield is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And when they have these, when they have these racial trainings and it makes people more racist, then you're then the 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 lawsuits are going to come like rapid fire, yep. and all of the people standing up there saying now you're calling me a racist they're going to point to the actual racial trainings and those things are going to be torpedoed. Yep. Well, and and this I, I've said it before. We actually you played a, a little video one of our previous episodes about one of these racial trainings, um, and and it's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Either, and all of these have said the same thing that I've seen. Either you're a racist and you admit it, or you deny it, which makes you more racist. It's it's worse. It's kind of the old um, the the witch trials. You know, um, yeah. we tie a rock around her legs and throw her in the bottom of the ocean right. or in the lake. If she floats, she's a witch. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, if, if she doesn't, well, then I guess she wasn't, but she's dead now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Well, fantastic. What are your options? So I don't see how that's productive to society at all. Well, and, and nobody does. Nobody does. No. And, and if anybody were sitting, went to some racial training, is it, is it good to have, is, is it good to have, um, to raise awareness about, things like how other cultures interact yes but that's yeah. different than racial that's not what the training the, these okay. racial training is yeah but a lot of these race peddlers they mask it in terms of learn about the other organizations okay um that's how they mask it but if you were if anybody were to go if any white person in the sound of my voice were to go to a company training and somebody stands in front of you and tells you how terrible you are as a person because of the color of your skin. You have absolutely 100% the right to get up and walk out right. because nobody should have to suffer through that. Nobody should. And, and if you raise a stink then and say, well, I was offended. You're damn right. You were offended. That's true. Offensiveness right there. 
And and so you should stand up and say no to your company. I'm not going to put myself through that because the, 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 the facilitator literally told me that I'm a piece of crap. Right. And you know, the, the, the argument that these people are out trying to fight racism, bullshit, they're promoting it. Absolutely. They can't, they have, it has to continue. How can you actually look at me as a white person and say, you're white, therefore you are racist. You're a terrible person. You're a demon. It's in your nature. It's in your blood and you can never overcome it. That's racism. Right. And then tell me that you are anti-racist. No, you love it. Right. Well, that's they, disgusting. They, they needed to. They need to feed off of it, right? Because they love the idea that these racial trainings create racists. Because they're just creating their own in their minds. They're creating the need for additional for racial service. training. Right. That's so right. So they need they need racism to continue. It's like the guy who founded. Um, uh, I want to say it was maybe it was Greenpeace. I think it was Greenpeace one of the main founders of Greenpeace, they got to this point where they realized, hey, you know what? We actually did what we set out to do. But the, so, and technically the organization should have just kind of dissolved and gone away. Right. right. And you can't do that because now you've, now you've got an organization making millions of dollars every year in donations, donating to the, the movement. So you have to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to cut the gravy train. Right. Would, why, why would anybody want to act in, against their own self-interest and say, this cushy job where I'm making $100,000 a year and I get to talk about whales, I'm going to just dissolve it and just disappear into the ether? No, they got to move on to the next thing. They got to come up with the next reason why whales are dying or whatever so they can <clears throat> continue to make their gravy train. Exactly. And that's, that's why I was talking about this. This is not going to go away. There is absolutely no appeasement um, that is going to satiate any of these groups. You have to be able to say no. This, sorry, this is the end of the line. You have reached the end. Note that you turn around and go back. There's, that's it. We're not going to appease. We're not going to, as you said, take a knee or backstep or backpedal any, any further. We've got to be able to stand up and say, no, I'm sorry. I'm not racist. I wasn't born that way and I'm not going to be, and I'm not going to sit here and listen to you. Tell me I am right. Thank you. I'm getting up and I'm leaving. Um, I'm not going to continually have all of my, my culture dissolved out from underneath me. I'm going to hold on to what I've got. Thank you very much. And yeah. there was a response to that, even with um, the Dr. Seuss books, you know, the demand for those shot up. I mean, um, if I ran a zoo, I mean, you could usually get that book for like 10, 12 bucks or whatever it was yeah. at Barnes and Noble or wherever. Shoot. I think eBay, there was a private seller who was auctioning it off and it got up to like three, $400. Oh, sure. I mean, because everybody wanted a copy of those before they thought they couldn't even get them anymore. Well, and then it's going to be, it's going to be digitized and people are going to, they're going to, they're going to create PDFs of it. They're going to bit torrent it out. People will share copies of it just so that they have it. Now you've raised, now they've raised all of this interest in it. Um, and of course that's going to play right into their hands of, of, well, that's even more reason. Now we have to clamp down because if people are going to share these, 
these kinds of problem, this kind of problematic content, right? We need to, we need to pare down. It, has anybody read the damn book 1984? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this, you know, George Orwell talked about this kind of stuff. When we eliminate, when we eliminate words, right? We use words to think. We use language to think and to communicate on what we're thinking. And when you start limiting words and you limit artifacts within the cultural space, then you limit the ability for people to think. And, and this goes back to the old adage of those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And so you got, you have to keep those, those cultural texts in play. You have to say, you know what, this was part of our society. We need to, we shouldn't ban it. We shouldn't make the publisher feel terrible for continuing to publish something. Um, no different than we shouldn't make the, we should not make the, the publisher of, of Huckleberry Finn and the adventures of Thomas Sawyer. We shouldn't make them feel like they can't publish that book um, no. because those are important cultural contexts of our country and if our history. You, if you are offended by content of a piece of material, whatever it is, don't buy it. Don't let your kids buy it. You know, I, I'm offended by a lot of hip hop and rap music. I don't buy it. I don't let my kids listen to it. Because the language and the lyrics are offensive and foul for the most part. I don't let my five-year-old listen to it. You know what? She's an adult. She can make her own choice. Same with my son. That's how you actually make that cognizant choice for yourself. But I'm not going to go out and try and ban an entire genre of music or expression for someone, for an entire culture of people. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I believe in people's rights. I believe in the right of free speech. I believe in the right of free expression. I believe that I, I love the fact that we have rights and I hate the fact that some people use those rights in, in ways that I may not agree with, but I'll still stand up and say they have the right to do that. I'm not going to limit their rights just because I disagree with how they're exercising them. Well, good stuff. Um, you have any last minute parting uh, thoughts before we uh, put this one to bed? Um, no, I, I, I believe that there's a time for us to be able to stand up and say enough is enough. Maybe that maybe you're right. Maybe that has passed. But I believe that there's enough opportunity for the mass of the American public. And I will reiterate that again. There are far 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 more people out there who disagree with the way these things are happening enough to be able to make a difference even by little small tokens like what you said nope i'm not going to stand here and let you call me a racist i'm not going to tolerate that i'm not going to stand here and i'm not going to listen to this crap that you're spouting off i'm not going to be a part of it there's enough of us out there to make a difference if we just do those small things to say i'm not no, I'm going to stand up for this. Sorry. It's important. And, and, and I, I do think that in the, in the domain of the, the domain of culture, I think, I think Americans can, can fight there and can hopefully with enough voices screaming against the, the small minority of people that are out there. I think America can pull can reclaim its culture 
I think we can. Um, the, the area where I think it's much more problematic is turning the tide of government oppression. I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't see any way off that road. I think the only way is to continue, the, the only way is to continue down that road. And, and that's because the first role of a, poli- the first job of a politician once elected is to get reelected. And the way you get reelected is you make laws. I mean, we, we send people to Congress and now we celebrate sending people to Washington just so that they can create laws on us. We, 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 there are a huge number of Americans who are absolutely okay with that concept. They are absolutely okay. And they celebrate the fact that we get to send people to a different city to make our lives worse. And so I don't think that there's any coming back from, from that, you know, from that path. I don't think there's anything, there's any getting off that road. I think that road is going to continue to lead to government oppression and, um, and tyrannical rule over the, over the population. Now, does it does that mean that full tyranny is going to take place in our lifetime? I hope not. Um, but who knows? It happened in Venezuela, but it happened within one generation in Venezuela. Hopefully it doesn't happen here. Um, but I think most Americans would have to experience a total tyrannical rule before they actually understood what they had before and what they right. lost. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know I'm not going to go out and try to, I'm not going to purchase a, an, you know, a bunch of assault weapons and things like that and try to fight tanks or I'm going to be one of the first people they're going to throw into a prison. (laughs) (laughs) So I already know that. Um, Right. So I'm not going to try to, I'm not that kind of a person to try to overthrow my government. Um, I'm, I'm the kind of person that would wind up getting swept up in, in the, the mass incarceration that would end up happening. I know that. Um, and that's, that's a sad reality. And it makes me sad that that's, that that's where I see all of this playing, but I don't, I don't see any politician, um, pulling back from that or causing us to shrink our, the level of our government. And that might, that might seem a a sad reality for, for, for people, but I'm of, I'm of this belief you can't fix it unless you actually talk about what the problem is. You can't fix it unless you actually acknowledge what's possible or the problems that exist. And until we do, we can't get off the road, right? By me talking about it and bringing up that reality, maybe people get shocked and they're actually awakened by it and go, Oh gosh, this is something we have to do something about, but not talking about it. I'm tired of people saying there's no way tyranny can ever happen in the United States of America. Never say no, that's no. And, and we, we have evidence of that happening. And, and you know what? I did have a glimmer of hope this last week. Um, I saw a few governors rolling back all the restrictions and a few States have now said enough is enough. And we're opening up and lifting restrictions off, which is, um, which is much needed very much so. Now, I'm not going to compare that necessarily to the overarching control of a government entity, but, um, and nor am I calling by any means, just to be clear, one last time, neither one of us are saying we're supportive of a revolution or of an overthrow of the government. But um, 
we've got to get back some sense of semblance of normal. And I mean that in a lot of different ways, not just with the, the change in our normal weight daily life since our COVID BS happened, but also in the sense of the deterioration of the culture that makes us up as Americans. I believe we need to grasp onto some of that too. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, good talk. Um, I think that just about wraps it up for us. Um, as always, you can find all of our stuff out on our website at fusionunderground.net. Um, we'll be back. We will be back next week to wrap up season four. Um, and then maybe by then we'll be able to talk about some of the stuff that we're working on um, and uh, go from there. I think we better talk a little bit about it so everybody knows what to expect in season five. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're not going away. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going away. Unless the so. cops come and sweep us both up and throw us in prison, which I don't know. Yes, Maybe they're definitely. out front already off to look. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> right. Uh, there they are. <laughs> well, All right, everybody. Quick. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. It's been a pleasure. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Have a good night. Peace, we're late.